847 is 366 and 7. Hello and welcome to A Score to Settle, a podcast about movie and TV music. I'm your host, Brian McVicker. Each episode, I focus on music composed for film and television, whether through analyzing a specific score, taking a deep dive into a particular composer's career, or by way of interviews with guests, both those in the industry and also fellow fans. On this episode, I am accompanied by popular soundtrack album producer and editor Neil S. Bulk. As in previous years, I've invited Neil back to reflect on his notable projects from the prior year, in this case 2021, for the various soundtrack record labels such as La La Land Records and Varez Saraband. Welcome back to the show, Neil. Remember when we could do this in person? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I think you were probably one of the first. It was like you and there was another friend of mine. It was like 2017. I remember that like we did one in my dining room once and yep. then we did one at your place once oh right yeah it's unbelievable i mean in some ways it is kind of nice that neither of us are having to drive anywhere mm-hmm. so I, but it, i do miss the in-person back and forth yeah. well it was funny so i, I you know i love these recaps because i was thinking about the recap we did last year in like january of mm-hmm. of 21 and thinking about 2020 being like the year everything crashed and that we were reflecting on that sort of changing how work came to you and what you're able to do with studios and how you're even able to pick up elements. So now I'm curious, you've had a full, you've had 2020, you've had mm-hmm. now 2021. Have Do you feel like you guys adjusted to the new normal or is it still learning as you go? No, it's, it's pretty much adjusted. Um, it, I guess it was kind of that way at the end of last year. I don't, <laughs> who can remember last year yeah <laughs> but uh, you know this year wasn't a problem I'm, I'm looking at the list of titles that came out that i had started and finished in 2021 because there are a lot of titles that came out last year that had been done prior to 2021 that just took a long time to get out we can get into that but a title like uh cabo blanco Star Trek Two. Um, stripes, you know, and anything like those are things that we start. I started in 2021 and came out in 2021, and it was, uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of, you know going through the elements with the studio, having them find them, do the transfers, and then just digitally sending it over just to download. Okay. So it, uh, and, and we'd been doing that beforehand as well, but, you know, just prior to this starting, you know, two years ago, <laughs> I was on the Sony lot looking at tapes for Karate Kid 2 and 3. Hmm. And, like, I was physically holding them in my hands and putting, you know, Trans, putting them to the side, transfer these. I don't need these tapes over here, you know, and doing the whole thing and taking pictures of them and, and 
Do you miss handling the elements uh, with your own bare hands? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was sometimes I would do that. It was it's it's not always that, but it, it was nice to to talk to the people. Yeah, who were there? And I, I know these people, and you know, how, how's it going? And, you know, hey, do you watch this? And, you know, and just you know, saying hi and breaking up the monotony of staring at the same walls every day. And, yeah, and, and and going places and maybe eating at the at the at the commissary. It's like, oh, that was cool. You know, I mean, on the plus side, I guess it, it's great that you guys you're still able to do these albums. You know, <laughs> I mean like, that that's a great thing for. I guess. For us. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm happy, of course, but it's like, it's just amazing to me that the, the world that we're living in, and it's like I still get to work on soundtrack. I guess you know, <laughs> we can still get to do soundtrack albums. It, it doesn't feel like the most important thing in the world, but. It's it, the work is still ongoing. I'm grateful for the work. People, yeah. you know, people still need to listen to music, you know, yeah. and, and you know, it's it's important. So it still matters to fans. It still it matters and 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 brings a lot of meaning to people's lives. Sure, yeah, and that's that's important. So I'm I'm happy that we all get to continue. Just sort of think, looking at the list of titles, and since you mentioned Karate Kid two and three, I, I that sort of uh, why not go ahead and jump to uh, the next Karate Kid? So talk to me because again, this was I never even saw the film and was familiar with the music, but talk to me a little bit about was that always on the list to do the Absolutely. next? Absolutely, yeah. Oh. You know, we, we wanted to do you know the, the plans for that project evolved as it went along, make mapping things out, <clears throat> and it was like, yeah, we should absolutely do it, wrap that series up, and on that one. William Ross came in, you know, Bill Conti scored it. Right. And then they had William Ross come in and change some of the cues, write some new cues, maybe change the orchestration and record new material. And that had never been released before. And we couldn't find it. And, uh, you know, I got all the material. Again, you know, I, I looked at spreadsheets and scans. I said, yes, this is what I need. And they sent it over and I was like, great, wonderful. And I'm like, oh no, this, this is the Conti score, absolutely, but it doesn't have. I was really hoping to find the William Ross material, so we reached we reached out to Ross, who kindly provided it huh. to us, and it was everything. I was like, oh, here it is, and just finally, was like, beautiful. And then, then I could make a new program out of Next Karate Kid and close the book on that score. And I guess it was a situation, was it a rescore in, uh, initiated by the director or the studio? I think it was of? the director. Yeah, it just wasn't wasn't getting what he wanted. And so uh, they did, uh, did some tweaks. And what was hmm. really interesting was there's a big fight scene in the middle of the film. And, and the, the cue sheet title was kind of confusing. And I was like, well, what is this? And I, it, was a, it was clearly by Ross, but it wasn't in the material that he gave us. I'm like, what is this fight? I went, oh, they took the end fight and just chopped it up and, and made oh. a, a new cue for another scene. But it was the exact same performance. It was all phasing once I recut. Like, oh, no, I don't have to recreate that. That's that's just nonsense. So for the big fight cue in the middle of the score, we I stuck with the Conti recording because he actually scored the scene. Oh, okay. And, and Ross never did. Ross, uh, Ross scored a later scene, and then the music editors just cut up his later music for, for that fight. That's interesting.
Is it Al Kaplan doing the notes? Al Kaplan um, earned his pink belt. <laughs> he mentions that in his notes. Yeah, he, he wrote the notes for that's yeah for all four Karate Kid albums. That's fantastic. He is an enormous fan of the series and the new Cobra Kai series. And, uh, so, okay, well, I'm glad to know about the, the, that a little bit more about Next Karate Kid. Like I said, it was yeah. a mystery, you know, for me, I wasn't aware of it. But to go back to, you know, two other things that you mentioned just off the top, uh, Cabo Blanco. Yes. Um, are you able, what are you able to share about, you know, how that came about um, and your experiences on that one? That was fun. Um, that was a, that was a pulled out of a hat. I was talking. To, I was on the phone with Michael Gerhardt, just you know, BSing about things, and he said, "Gee, I'd I love to do a score like Cabo Blanco. We'd love to put that out." I'm like, "I think I know where the tapes are." He goes, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, you "Want me to look into it?" And he said, "Yeah." So I looked into it. Terrific, one-inch analog uh, tapes. Um, and some quarter inch mm-hmm. and had them all transferred in high res. And, and that was a case where the guy had to pick up the tapes and then uh, transfer them. But again, I, I, I it, it, we weren't quite fully digital on that delivery. He stopped off at my house with a hard drive. <laughs> I, had, I had to copy it and give it back to him, but it, that didn't take too long. And then uh, I had the old album. I just never really thought about it so much for whatever reason. And then, you know, getting to start over it on it again and Jeff Bond always said it was such a great sounding album and I got the tapes like oh my gosh this is a really good good recording and it was, it was really cool it, you, you can't you can never figure out how these things are going to be archived now here's Cabo Blanco you know it's an independent film and I had these terrific one inch tapes that had sync tone on them so like they were rock solid in terms of speed hmm. and they were transferred like I put them up against the movie and it just it just locked in place and then there's other scores, I won't I won't name them, from big studios from the same era. And you're like, we can't find tapes that's good on them. And it's like, well, I just can never figure out how this stuff happens. But anyway, Cabo mm. Blanco, the tapes were terrific. Another interesting thing about that project was we never had any paperwork on it. Okay. Didn't have, didn't have a shred. I didn't have a cue sheet. <laughs> and I tried. Um, I tried reaching out to a lawyer. I hmm. tried reaching out to the, you know, the, the company that produced it, who, who were very helpful on this, but they didn't have any paperwork on it. So um, I stuck with a lot of the cue titles mm-hmm. from the Prometheus. Um, though there were some that I updated to be a little bit more to be a little bit more film accurate. Uh, uh, I think they had a cue called the diving bell, and I called it the bathosphere because they call it the bathosphere several times in the film. So I was like, okay, well, that, I'll just I'll just change that. Right. Um, the most interesting thing, and I won't give away. I'm not going to give away all my trade secrets here because no. But I'll tell you. I'll tell you a great thing about it because there's a lot of source music. Yeah. On that album, and I, you know, I was able to ID all of it um, except for one. There was one piece I couldn't identify, and it was sort of a 40s sounding thing. And like I was trying, like Google, I was like playing 
that to say, hey, can you identify this? And it like, it couldn't. It could identify the big band stuff, but it couldn't identify this song. I, I asked Doug Schwartz, the, the mastering engineer, I said, hey, do you, do you know what this is? He's like, I don't, but I know people who are experts in this field of, you know, 40s big beans. Like if my mom heard this, she could identify it, but sadly she was no longer with us. Mm-hmm. But but he he was uh, Doug's mom, not, not my mom. Right, right. I'm not asking for sympathy. <laughs> um, and uh so he he had he had some very renowned people listen to it didn't know what it was so now i'm like okay now this this thing is in the movie nobody knows what it is and i'm like it's got to be a jerry original it has to be a jerry goldsmith original i can say that i can know that mm-hmm. but if i can't prove it I can't put it on an album. And that was devastating me. I'm like, how do I prove that this is a Jerry Goldsmith original? There's no manuscript. There's no cue sheet. There's no, there's no nothing here. But then, and this is the part I'm not going to reveal totally, <laughs> I was able to correctly identify it. And it's Rumba. That's, that's the title of it. That is, that is absolutely the correct title of that cue. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there it is. It's by Jerry Goldsmith, and it's it's going on the album. So <laughs> I, that was super gratifying. It's such a nice find. There's so much, you know, it, it was one thing to have source music uh, that's conducted, I think, you know, mm-hmm. that, that he conducts for yeah. the film. It's another to have, like, a cool source cue written by him. Yeah. That was not out before. So. Right, yeah. And, and there was an, we had the instrumental version of Heaven Knows, which had never been released before. And then, okay. Obviously, the Beethoven piece is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's passable. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to end it with Goldsmith. He, he, he uh, at the end of the take, he just went, God damn, that was a hell of a sight read. Fantastic job on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And then Stripes. Uh, was another one that that's like I was surprised to see because again I thought okay maybe we had the final word maybe we didn't um, from the Verez album um, but instead you guys definitely went above and beyond uh, with with that what can you tell what can you tell me about Stripes? Well, Stripes is another one where we couldn't find the track titles. <laughs> oh gosh, for, for two, there were two cues. You know, I was going through all sorts of documentation. They're, they're not used in the movie. So they, you know, I had a cue sheet, but these two cues aren't used in the movie. So what do you do? So I, I got in touch with Sony and they got in touch with their archives department and they went through and found the manuscripts. So we got the titles. <laughs> Thank goodness they actually kept track. <laughs> that was great. I was thrilled. Well, we mixed that and Next Karate Kid 
uh, like the same, like I think I did Stripes first and then I went back to the studio the next week for uh, Next Karate Kid. And that was a point that was in uh, like around June of 2021 where mm-hmm. things were getting back to normal. Right. And, and so I could actually go to a studio and be in a room with someone without a mask because we were oh, vaccinated. Right. And And it was just like, hey, this is how things used to be. Yeah, we were eating together, you know, at, you know, at the table and, and getting it done. I was just like, wow. And now uh, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm glad you got you you got a, a taste of it again. Yeah, there was a there dip- was a moment where yeah. there was some normal. Like I left the home. And I, That's know, incredible. Yeah. Were there? I can't recall. I mean, uh, as far as discoveries with stripes, was it a case of? Um, did you have the same elements that mm-hmm. Ferris had? Okay, but it, it was did. just because uh, that album Wait, out like. I, I take it back. I may not have had the same elements. Okay. I don't know. You know what? Now I think about it, I don't remember what. I don't know what they had. Okay. And the only reason why I say that is because the tapes that we had. The transfers that we had were, were, had been done a few years ago, and I think they might have been done when when the extended cut was made. There, there's an extended cut of Stripes available in video now, and I think these tapes might have been used to remix that. It was the complete recording sessions. I don't know how how far I want to go into this subject, but there were some defects on the tapes. I was able to address them, but what was interesting was I could hear them in the long cut. You know, when you're scrutinizing these things, you know, to make an album, you'll notice them. I doubt anybody else will. But I was, when I was like, oh gosh, I gotta face that. And so, like, there was real little microscopic work going on to present stripes without these little annoyances. But our, our, our release turned out you know, turned out well. Um, it's just a matter of you know, it was an, it was older material. The tapes were older, and and so sometimes stuff happens. But we were able to to fix it all up. Yeah, and it is it is really a, a great score. I mean, I, I love that that period of you know when when he get into when he went into his comedy era, but approached everything straight faced. You know, it yielded so many wonderful scores you wouldn't have expected. I had that march stuck in my head. <laughs> was a fan of the freeze frames cue which wraps everything up because i'm like it's you know he didn't you know like williams has already was doing these you know in titles that sort of would you know get a little bit of everything from the movie in a you know in a, in a sweet sort of format kind of thing and it's like that was you know bernstein's way of like here's everybody's theme in <laughs> The 
together the end title. So the album opens with what I call the overture, which is really the end titles. The end titles of the movie utilize that, but then all, all these other sections that had never been released before, basically the full end titles they use on the new La La Land album, though even that, there was something looped in the movie that I didn't duplicate. I'm like, I'm not going to duplicate a loop. I'll just present it musically. Smart. And that was one of those things where, you know, something I, I, I would love to talk about, where I could present the film version of the end titles, but it had been previously available in this other version. So it becomes a challenge of, well, how do I present that version and so people can hold on to this, you know, can get this album and have everything and not be like, well, we got to get the other one. You know, the out of, we got to get the out of print one if we want to get this version. I'm like, oh, I, I don't. I don't want people to do that. I just want people to buy one version. Yeah. <laughs> Preferably my version. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, uh, so it, it, I was like, oh, I'll just open this score with, with the march. That's cool. Yeah. And, I, and then I can present the score in order. You know, it's just interesting. I know that's tough for you in these album releases to sort of not just focus on what you want for your album that you're producing but also you're having to sort of encapsulate what came before in a weird way like you said presenting something that was already in on a previous album and you're almost having to think like a collector and not just like i'm producing an album that's its own standalone thing but you have the difficulty of trying to also honor the the initial album release it's so tough yeah it's it's you know it's something that's always ongoing because when i do these projects. I know when Mike Mattesino does these projects, we try to call in everything into our Pro Tools session just so we can look and see what was done and was this take used for here? And you know, we have these elaborate spreadsheets that tell us everything. And then it's like, okay, now what do we do with it? <laughs> you know, how do we do this? And I guess the, 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 the ultimate expression of that is the La La Land Blue Max. Yeah. Because I think that's like the sixth release of that score. Mm -hmm. You had the original album in 66, and then you had an expanded LP Mm -hmm. or changed LP. I don't know if it was necessarily expanded, but it was a different LP in the 70s. Then you had the Varez CD. Mm -hmm. Then you had the Sony CD. (laughs) Then you had the Entrada CD. So here I am, the sixth, the La La Land CD. And, and, and everyone was different. It could have been maybe the sequencing was different, the titles were different, the combinations were different. Every every one of those prior albums was different. And I know this because I had them all. I had the records transferred. I had you know the CDs, and I, I could see what everything was. And I was like, okay, let's do a new Blue Max, and <laughs> see if we can somehow get everything that had ever been released in one Blue Max album. And we, and we did. Yeah. And so you could literally take the La La Land Blue Max, which is out of print, but now is back in print. It's, it's uh, Jerry Gold, it's Goldsmith at 20th Volume 1. Right. All that material is, is, is on that release. You can literally playlist every single soundtrack release prior. It's, it's an incredible. A, it. Yeah, it's an incredible. You guys achieved it. You basically created something that is has the components of it all. And the fact that you could customize your own 
you know you could but it also yeah. has two distinct playlists it has it has uh if on disc one or you know it, it's changed now and i'm thinking of the old release i'm not thinking of the, the goldsmith at 20 at 20th but the way it was was disc one was the film score mm-hmm. as you know intended this two opened with the mainstream album which had never been on cd before so you know you had those programs but then you had all the bonus stuff and you could you could mix and match and, and you can still do all that with and i i think we have i think we have the soundtrack album first on on disc one now and then right who opens with the film score and that was only because to get it to fit with uh with uh von ryan's express yeah and it's but it's funny because it just make it just reminds me of like the dvd blu-ray releases that try to have legacy content from previous like an old commentary and this so sort of like you don't have to hold on to everything well yeah i mean that's that's really what it is because you know you buy a movie and you know, then the Blu-ray comes out and you want the Blu-ray because you want the better picture and you want better sound, but you don't want to give up anything. You want all those special features, right? You know, you want those documentaries and it, and it, so it's, it's always like, do I have to hold on to this? Well, you got to hold on to the disc. If you want, if you want this feature, if you want this, you want this Easter egg. And you're like, no, I, I want, I want one disc. Yeah. Glory this year, and I and I I had been working on Glory for years. I think I first got the tapes in 2017. Oh wow! So, yeah, Glory Glory took a while. Just just you know, it was it was just it wasn't a priority until it was a priority. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and, and uh, I really really struggled with that one because it's like okay, it's a really wonderful album. You know the original soundtrack release mm-hmm. really wonderful and the cues as heard in the film aren't all that different mm-hmm. but they're a little different are they different i don't know and I, and I was like do i make this one this i was like but when you look at it you go yeah there really isn't you couldn't i couldn't satisfy myself and make it a one disc glory release um yeah what would have to be sacrificed well you know like we had mixes that are heard in the film that weren't on the album that's that's a big deal we had you know alternates we had source music we had all of a sudden it's like oh there's no way it would all fit and and it's not a matter of even fitting it's a matter of, for me being a compelling program mm-hmm. you know the, the new glory is again like you know it's, it's sort of a sort of a mold that i guess i, I do where it's this one is the film score mm-hmm. with, with extra source stuff and this two is the album with some bonus stuff that's sort of how things work out for me but some some composers want the album first i'm like i'm happy to do it you know yeah as long as we can get as much of this music out there uh, the glory was neat because glory is the film score on disc one with the source music afterwards so you know i'm thinking old school cd player but i guess you could also playlist now you could put you could you know with that one disc you could program it to be the film score with the source stuff in order if that's the way you want to listen to glory and yeah all from all one disc all on one disc so, yeah so so going back to you know 1990 me <laughs> who who programmed his cd player every time he listened to back to the future three because that album was in no whatsoever <laughs> i used to train part two the second track on the album or whatever you know, what is going on here so that was my mindset on glory it's like well that was a 1989 score sort of the same era i would have programmed my cd player to
were there difficulties? I mean, what, I mean, I think there were, but it's like, what were the difficulties, you know, in putting glory together and, and I, dealing with that? I, I can't confirm this. I've been back in the day when I could visit the, you know, the lot and, and go through material. We looked through every, we looked through books. We've looked through everything to find tapes for glory. Um, and we had a lot of tapes. I never found a rec the film recording of Charging Fort Wagner. Hmm. Never found it. Um, to the point that I had a set of dats that also didn't have it. Didn't have it on there. It only had the the alternate version. Wow. Uh, so I suspect that there was a and and the AFM had, didn't have any paperwork on it to, to give me scoring dates. Um, I don't think they did. Um, I just remember like, do we have this? Do we have this? So I never found charging Fort Wagner. Hmm. <laughs> real and, and all you can and all you can do is guess I know what, what well, must have happened yeah I, I, I don't know what happened uh, but you know there 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 it is it was thankfully it was on the album right and you know it was all digital recordings anyway and so it it matches perfectly <laughs> yeah it's like, like, like and, and it's the film take and it's like oh my gosh I can't believe it. the big battle cue I didn't I couldn't find even crazier field of dreams same year same composer different different studio different stage one cue couldn't find it thankfully it was on the album so well and it's you know, <laughs> i'm glad that we're kind of you know tackling the horner stuff together because it was definitely on my list of, of titles to to talk about you know not only glory but yeah let's also you know dive into field of dreams So what was, in that situation, what was the cue that you were missing? Yeah, I'll keep that one to myself. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I probably said too much already. Okay. Um, All right. We'll leave it as a mystery. We'll let people just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, it, was, it, but it, was just, it was just so funny. Like, oh, are you kidding me? Again? Wow. Again, I just went through this, and now I'm going through it all over again. What what was going on in 1989? We're like, ah, we'll screw with those guys in the future. <laughs> right. Like, where, where is it? And they, but again, it was like calling the studio. Do you have any tapes that say Shoeless Joe on them? Because that's what the movie was scored as. And that was oh, the title of the film. Okay. Yeah. And we pulled, pulled also, like, I think initially we had six tapes. We pulled six more tapes. And that was like, that's everything except for the one thing I need. I was like, oh my gosh. So. And it was recorded here in LA. Yeah, yeah sure was. That's interesting. And I guess, you know, I, I don't, there weren't production problems or reshoot. No? Or like last minute, it's like, it's just, it's nuts. You're right. What the heck was going on in 89? I don't know. That everybody know. lost their mind and decided nothing mattered and let's not keep track of it. Yeah, I really, I, I really don't know what it is. Um, but thank, again, thankfully it was on the album. We had a terrific album master and just, it was all, again, it was all digital yeah. at that point. So it all, 
it all went in and that was another one where uh you know disc one is the film score and disc two is the original album because you know it's we didn't have there were enough differences that you know you couldn't all squeeze it all on to one disc i looked at it and i was like no not gonna yeah and i remembered it being most like that the album is pretty the original album i think is like maybe 50 minutes or it's close 50 to minutes, yeah yeah and so it, yeah. I, yeah and i think it's like i remember it being fairly comprehensive mm -hmm. oh it, um, it absolutely is so the decision is a pretty big cue to leave off you know i i think it's nice to you know that we're at this point, you know, as far as Horner scores as well, that we continue to be able to dive into his back catalog um, yeah. and, and pull these out. All right, so from your cadre of, of Horner album releases uh, from last year, the other one that was, you know, uh, a huge surprise and a huge title uh, was Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. So you guys had the surprise of like, it was really like better elements, right? It was a complete surprise. Um, I, I wanted to, re I, I wanted to revisit Star Trek two only because I, I thought it was out of, it was out of print. Oh, good point. Um, I thought it, and I thought it should be in print. And again, uh, well, in, in this case, this was a project that Mike Mattesino and I had worked on in 2008 and 2009. Mm -hmm. For me, it was one of my very, very, very first projects. And no, that was uh, 12 years ago. And I'd like to think that I've learned a thing or two in 12 years on how to, you know, approach things a little differently and maybe make, 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 make them a little bit better or, you know, or, or you know, satisfy me. Not that I was dissatisfied with 2009, but I just, I just want another crack, another shot at it. Right. Another chance to, you know. And so I was like, I'm the Star Trek II expert. I know what the tapes are. I worked on this. Come on, you know. Get me these tapes. We'll do the thing. It'll be great. It'll be wonderful. We'll get it done real quick. And then I, I got, so I, I, I got the tapes from, from Paramount. They sent me a link. I downloaded it, and <laughs> suddenly I'm just to backtrack for a second here. The the tapes that we had in 2008 and 2009 had one take of every cue, so it's okay. like main title, yeah. surprise on SETI Alpha Five. You know, and it wasn't necessarily in in order, but that's what it was. One take. So I knew going in that I was going to have one take of everything, and that would be that. Except I put these tapes in, and suddenly I had like a ton of like hours of material. And the first thing I heard was, you know, ten M two take one. I think it was ten M two, which was uh, Genesis countdown. Why do I have take one of this? <laughs> and then because before I only had. Uh, take 12 okay doing this from memory so suddenly i had takes one through 12. wow and holy smokes and then uh i was like i've got everything on star trek too i've got every recording of every cue and and i've got it in better quality than i had it before these are first generation analog tapes these tapes went through the machine as it was being performed wow <laughs> like, wow oh my god <laughs> so yeah that was that was very exciting um and I went through and had to re-edit the whole score to Star Trek II. Uh, and then, so your knowledge of it is incredibly granular at this point. I, I know it all. Yeah. 
the time where it was on TV. And I just, I think it was on Pluto TV and I had it playing and I was just going, take 12, <laughs> take 10, take 131, you know, just whatever, whatever. It's like, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure my wife was very impressed. <laughs> but, but yeah, right. I, she tells all her friends that. I, I, she's like, he knows the take numbers for Star Trek Two as the movie's playing. It's like take one twenty, take fourteen. I know where the I know where the intercut is. You know, oh yeah, it's it's a hell of a skill. So it's interesting. So with Star Trek Two, it's almost like it's a level of transparency into the score that no one ever had before because it was always the curated like you said one take of each cue yeah. and now it literally is like you're able to see it's like an author's published book you're able to see all versions of that book that they wrote before they had before the edited and you know issued copy well i mean we'd always had the final edits in trek to it was a matter of of yeah you know, I, I guess in my case yeah he, getting to hear everything and it wasn't all that different um, you know, the, the performances, they just, you know, got better as they went along. What was, what was gratifying was, uh, fixing some of the, some of the inner cuts, which okay. had I not been on this album and, and scrutinize it, I would have never known where the inner cuts were. I never knew the score was intercut, you know, taking two takes to make one performance mm -hmm. because again, the tapes we had before always had one slate on it. They never said anything I, so i had no way of knowing but once i started working on it i was like why oh there, that's where the cut is and like so this intercut is now better than <laughs> what it had been for 40 years for almost 40 years but wow we never knew before i never knew before and i don't think anyone else would really so. Well, I, I also appreciated, you know, you uh, going the extra mile as far as presenting some cues discreetly that had been, you know, part of that had been sort of joined previously. And also the 45 RPM, uh, <laughs> uh, which I, I love that. I love yeah. that, that main title, end title suite. Yeah, that was that was fun. And, and, and it was nice to include the original album as well, because that that hadn't been remastered ever. It came out on CD in 1991. And that was it. So it was, this was a really good opportunity to get to get that back in print of a quality that I was happy with. Well, and again, it's kind of like with, you know, you thinking it thinking back to what we were, you were saying about Blue Max and you're presenting something that encapsulates what came before. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it is really, you're trying to make it, this is the final, this is the one thing you need to have for this score, the one version. Hopefully. <laughs> I, I don't know what else there would be. I don't, I don't know what else, you know, get the, you know, get the musicians to play in your room. Right. <laughs> I don't know each individual stem. I don't know if that was even done at that. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, oh, was two yeah. Inch. there was two inch. 
on Damn, so that's that's the next level that is the, yeah we're, we're gonna do an atmos version <laughs> and each stem will be an individual <laughs> channel and the sound the the real the real collectors will mix it they'll they'll yeah, be oh, in oh, charge yeah 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 we yeah we, yeah we've, we've gotten to the point where you know we'll just let you mix it you, <laughs> you know best it's the you know best edition I, you know, it's funny. It's, I, I sometimes think about that now. It's like, you know, there's there's a, the uh, core collectors and we're almost armchair album producers at this point. And, uh, you know, there's a level of deep appreciation for what you do and for what, you know, what you present. Where, yes. is, where, where can I find this deep appreciation? <laughs> right here on the other side of the Zoom. Oh, is that it? Okay. Because <laughs> it ain't on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's a shame. I want to jump back to Goldsmith for a minute, just because you had mentioned we're talking about Blue Max and the Goldsmith at Fox albums, because your series, Lawland series, is continuing mm-hmm. um, with you did, I believe, volumes three and four in 2021. We did. Um, and you kind of it was less of you were sort of moving away from the sort of reissue of, you know, kind of what was there just repackaged. Mm-hmm. But now you're actually there's more stuff. There's more either better elements or it's just more cues from those scores yeah yeah so uh there were two volumes there was volume three which had the stripper and spies right and the stripper was basically the same program as the previous fsm album but entirely rebuilt uh okay we had you know new high-res elements to remix there was one cue that had been previously damaged and unusable, which is now usable. Mm. So we, we were able to fix a cue. Um, and then Spies, which is really, you know, a, a pretty cool release because the only way it had been available, the only way was in a truncated form on a very limited edition out of print box set. Right. It was like, there was no spies, you know, yeah. pretty much that you could get. And I really liked that score. So when we were pitching, or when we were talking about Goldsmith at the 20th, you know, it was sort of this, we didn't have a grip on what it was or what the combinations were going to be. So I came up with combinations and talked with MV Gerhard and went back and forth and came up with, with what we thought was good. And one of them was like, oh, wait, what about spies? I really like spies. It's, only ever been on that can we put that out and do it it's like yeah we can put we can do spies i didn't know that it was only half the score mm-hmm. on the perez box set so we got to double the length of spies which is great it's yeah. such a goofy score but I it's Mike Mattesino referred to it as the first video game score. <laughs> Why did he do that? Why well, did because he... it is, it's, you know, sort of synthy and true and, and goofy. And... True. Okay. So, Fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I always liked it. And I was 
thrilled that we got to revisit it. Yeah. Make it, make it part of the collection and then yeah. make it accessible so people could people could get it again. I was really happy to, to get that included. Yeah. And then volume and then volume four. four. Um again, two scores. Yeah. Two, uh, two airplane scores. The, two so airplane scores. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't tell or, me that's a strange pairing. They're connected. <laughs> Did anyone was there ever a connection attempted between stripper and spies? No. <laughs> no. I can't think of anything. <laughs> and and, and then, but that goes back to the trying to figure out how to do this so it was like like we we could we have done spies and flim flam man well those are both urban kirshner movies mm. okay that's not a bad idea but that leaves the detective at 18 minutes are you gonna put an 18 are you gonna put an 18 minute score out by itself <laughs> not if you you know but, but at least ac, AC lion tour 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 even have the same orchestral effect of the engine revving up they're in, uh, in both scores so there's a connection so yeah don't tell me no a lot of thought goes into this <laughs> now tour 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 mainly the same it is it yeah is the same yeah okay okay ace eli though was the one that had a lot more completely different yeah completely different That required a lot of research and, uh, and time. I was really, really happy with how that turned out. So what? Ha that's another one, I guess, similar to Nick's Karate Kid. I don't know why I didn't think of it earlier, mm -hmm. where Jerry Goldsmith scored it. Now, in this case, Nick's Karate Kid was pretty much shot, edited, and locked, and they just did some rescoring. AC Lie was re-edited. People took their names off of it. You know, it was directed by John Ehrman, who recently passed away. Okay. He directed an episode of Star Trek, the original. Oh, series. really? He directed The Empath. Oh, I did not realize that. One of my favorite scores. Of, yeah, not, great not score. I probably didn't have much to do with it, but no, but still, good association. Still, yeah. Um. And so, AC Lie. Also, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you've read the notes. AC Lie was written by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. A movie about planes and daddy issues. Who exactly. Who <laughs> Spielberg got... wrote that. <laughs> it tracks. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, so Goldsmith had scored this initially, and then that was in 72, and then later on in 73, um, it had been re-edited and re-scored. Not entirely clear who did the re-scores. Okay. And so I have my own theories. But again, going back to Cabo Blanco, see, it's all connected. <laughs> As they say in Total Recall, they're all exactly connected. they're all connected. Thanks, Marco Limo. Al, Al Kaplan is fond of saying that, so it's, it's rubbed <laughs> off on me. Um, so we know Goldsmith scored it in '72, and I had those recordings, and I had all those recordings either mono or stereo, but I only had the complete score in mono. And I went, okay, well that's that sorts that. Mm -hmm. I have the re-score in stereo. And so going on to the rescore, some of the paperwork for the rescore, like off to Monument.
think the cue sheet credits Jerry Goldsmith on that cue, mm -hmm. but the, that cue is not in his archive. Hmm. It's in Alexander Courage's archive. And there are a few cues on the cue sheet that credit him and Goldsmith. There's, I don't think there's any cue that's exclusive to Alexander Courage. But going through my research, and I was kind of like, geez, I wonder if Goldsmith wasn't available. And like, well, who can we get who's, you know, works with Goldsmith, you mm -hmm. know, is familiar with his sound and could do it. I'm like, I, I almost wonder if they got courage to do the rescores entirely. I don't know. Uh, the packaging, you know, the cue sheet doesn't indicate that. Okay. The cue sheet is Jerry Goldsmith. So I don't want to take anything away from either of them. Right. The theory I have is like it just like his name's not on the scoring. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't know. But it seemed to make sense to me to present the Goldsmith mono score mm -hmm. as the film as intended and follow it up with the surviving stereo cues with the rescores plugged in. Mm -hmm. Sort of a, 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 a the narrative of the finished film, which no one has seen because it's never been on video. So ACY uh, was, was, was a very satisfying project. You can hear what Goldsmith intended. You can hear what wound up in the finished film. Um, you got the song Who's for Complaining. Uh, Chris Malone, again, did the uh, restoration and mixing on it. And boy, did he really step up for that one because it wasn't in the best of shape. Keeping with the theme of, of uh, 20th Century Fox, old 20th Century Fox, um, yeah. we can also uh, bring it back to Time Tunnel because I think oh. were both volumes last year or was there one volume in 2020 and another in 2021? No, I think they were both 2021. Okay. I think they were. It was a it was a good situation where you had a lot of it, or you had as everything that you could possibly have from that show. It was a, it was an interesting situation. We initially we only had like two dats and maybe something else, and Fox found like two rolls of two inch tape, and I was like, okay, this this seems promising. Let's get this transferred. And this was in this was all in 2020, towards the beginning of the pandemic. And this is something I, I haven't talked about. Uh, so much, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I think I'm in the same boat as a lot of people. There's a, just a great fear of the unknown of, am I going to have work? Mm -hmm. Am I going to, what's going to happen? Am I going to, I just didn't know. I didn't know if I was going to keep having work to do. If, if people or priorities going to change, I just, I didn't know. And so when the time tunnel project came up and it was early i think this it was it might have been like april 2020 when it started like right okay. at the start of the pandemic i focused a hundred percent of my like i've got it it distracted me it's really what it was i needed it i needed something to take my mind off of this awful situation yeah that that, that this un you know that, we, that none of us were used to and I was like, what can I do? What can, you know, how can I focus on something? And it, and it turned out to be Time Tunnel. 
So we got these tapes transferred and it, I didn't know what it was. It was a bunch of numbers and going through. I was like, oh, it, it turned out to be everything with one with one exception, which I'll get into because it's kind of cool. Um, and so what I, I really went back to my old Star Trek, the original series methodology of recording in two shows a day, real time. Mm -hmm. I bought them on iTunes and I needed the audio as reference and editing the music and lining them up and creating the spreadsheet and doing, I was like, if I can do two shows a day, this will keep me, this will keep me sane. You know, it gives me something to, you know, there's constantly something going on and there's 12 episodes and then there, you know, the pilot was a little bit different and I got it all organized and edited and then I sequenced it out and it wasn't, I don't think it was going to be two volumes at first. I think okay. it was going to be like the other Irwin Allen sets where we did, you know, four desks. Mm -hmm. But what happened on this one was, and, and, and the four desks one were, were for various reasons of, you know, elements or, you know, enough material, just various things. And it was like, this one, I had everything except for one cue. One cue I didn't have. It was flagged on the paperwork, NG, no good. <laughs> it didn't exist. But I had some dads that had been made prior to these tapes. And thankfully, that episode score was on the dads, and that cue had been transferred. Oh. So I was able to take that cue from the dad and plug it in and have the complete. Could you imagine? Here, we have two volumes of Time Tunnel. It's everything. Except one cue. Because <laughs> we can't find that one anymore. I remember calling MV. I was like, hey, you know, instead of doing like a Fortis set, could we do like a, a six disc set? And he's like, oh, we do, we'll do two volumes. I went, great, wow. great, let's do two volumes of Time Tunnel. And so that that's how that came together. And I, I was it was just so happy because it kept me, it really kept my focus. And I was really, really on top of that one. I mean, I, I went through and just cleaned up a ton of stage noise on it. And, hmm. and um, I remember a couple cues in the Williams score that were different in the pilot version than the broadcast version. Hmm. So I got to figure all that out. There was a cue that was only in the pilot that <laughs> had to be intercut. It had an insert recorded for it. And boy, trying to get that to match up with all this noise going on. Like I did, I was, but again, I was so focused on it. Like I was like, I am going to get this. And it got it just right. <laughs> Time tunnel kept you sane. It did. It, it, it really did. It really, like, it, it, look, it, it gave me, I, I, I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm discounting anything, but it gave me purpose in, in that really confusing first few months. It was like, well, I've got this, this, this is work. It will be wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I, it is a terrific distraction. And I'm grateful for for that.
so the other and again i think this is still in the under the umbrella of 20th century fox um but another uh i think this might have been a release that was a long time gestating mm -hmm. was michael kamen's score for x-men Yeah, uh, that was, uh, was we had hoped for 2020 for the anniversary, but okay, it uh, wasn't able to happen. I, re I remember working on that in 2019. I remember like going around and picking up tapes and dealing with people at, at Fox. They, 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 uh, I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing X-Men, and they, they were like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll get you a download link, and it was like 400 gigabytes. I was like, huh. maybe I can get a drive for that one. Because <laughs> 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 it was a ton of material. We didn't know how much material. Um, and there had been rumors that you know, like, well, there's, there's actually two scores for X-Men. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, no, I feel like there's a lot of urban legends on that score. It's not true. and if Or if it is true, it's not reflected anywhere on these tapes. Um, okay. Because... We had mixes for the final cues, but then we also had like the 48 track tapes and they matched precisely. So like real one with take one on it is what's, you know, it wasn't like, and like you look at the day, so like, I don't think maybe there was a change in approach, but I don't think, I don't think they went back and, and, and like did a whole other, cause that was one of the first things MV said to me when we were starting. He's like, I want both scores on here. I'm like, you got it, <laughs> you know? I was like, there's, there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, I mean, were, were different mixes done? Yeah, but it was, it was never. According to all my research and all the material available, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't as big as people were saying. It is interesting how that starts, and I guess this was still. I think it was, it's one of those internet rumors, you know, from early days. And it just seems to have permeated the fan, the soundtrack fan community. Right, and it just yeah. didn't die. Um, and now that was one. You know, we, we were talking earlier about you know including soundtrack albums where there was so much material on that you couldn't like I couldn't include the soundtrack album per se, but you can program the soundtrack album with that release because I include the seven distinct. I think there were six or seven distinct cuts that were on the album that weren't in the film. Mm -hmm. Like Mutant School is different and, mm -hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and if you take those with what's on disc one, you can program it and have the original album. But it's, again, it's, it's trying to make a compelling program. So just one is the entire film score, just two starts off with the album cuts and then a slew of alternates. And that, so that wasn't a situation, you basically had everything that was available. It wasn't a situation where anything was, was missing. Uh, not so much. I think there was one cue that I couldn't find and I got in touch with the Cayman Estate. They put me in touch with someone who had a dad. I was like, there it is. That's the thing I need. Okay. So All right. yeah, it, that, that worked out well. 
Cause I, and I, that, I mean, I know that that one went through some rescores. There definitely are like, oh, you know, sure. yeah. So I know it had some issues with the score at the pro- time of production sure. that people seemed un, you know, they, they, they were uncertain of how to score certain scenes. So I realize there's different versions of stuff, but it's good to have your final word on it. It's crazy to think that it's like there was 400 gigabytes of material and it's like, I'm still missing some things. <laughs> props to the Cayman estate for helping out on that. And, and, and saying, oh yeah, yeah, look at this. We, we think this will be it. And I was like, sure enough, it was. I'm I'm glad for that. I'm glad that they actually, you know, are, are keeping track of that. It gives me hope for future Cayman projects, um, whether from you guys or another label, I'm hoping that there will be more Michael Cayman releases in the future. Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's one other Fox score. Yes. Diary of Anne Frank. Diary of Anne Frank. Another big one, and, and this one was one that Nick Redman really wanted to okay. come out. So this this one was in prot was in you know was working on it for a while, and, but Nick was aware that it was going on, and I, I remember visiting him and telling him I was like, hey, I started on the Diary of Anne Frank, and I got to see you know Nick smile, and he was very appreciative that we. Were oh working. wow, that's so nice. Yeah, so that's that's one of my best memories of working with Nick. How long ago was that? Twenty eighteen took a while for this one to come out you know, I was working on it and it and uh, not in very good shape okay and, th- and, that, and that's kind of what held it up for all these years people there have been so many requests for the score technology I think I think we had to wait for technology to get to a point where we could attack these tapes and make something of them and so I, I went through it and prepared it and lined up to the movie figured out, again figured out the program. And this was one, you, know, you want to talk about X-Men being rescored. You want to talk about Diary of Anne Frank mm-hmm. being rescored. There are so many cues in the original soundtrack album that aren't in the movie that were changed. Wow. <laughs> you know? And so again, you're like, well, I got to present the album, and so that that uh, again went to Chris Malone, who you know did a bang up job, and we got the first master on that was also at the start of COVID. So again, it was like, oh, good, I have something I can focus on, I can really you know focus sink your teeth on. into it. Yeah, you know, it's something it's something to distract me. I love the sequence. I love how the sequencing turned out on that one, you know, because it's, it's like, how do you do it? And well, first it opens with the original album mm-hmm. sounding better than it ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, we found a quarter inch tape of the album master, which I don't think 
has been used ever. <laughs> I don't know. Huh. And I was like, or if it, it hasn't been used in the digital world, I don't think. Okay. And I was like, boy, this sounds great. So we had that, you know, we already had that. And I love how the first half of the film plays on disc one. And then the intermission is at the intermission now. And disc two opens with act two. Huh. And it just worked out really well. And then we yeah. had bonus stuff afterwards. And, and it's almost, it's not, it's not the complete score. There, there were some little bits and pieces that just, just didn't survive at all. But it's, it's almost all there and, it's, and it sounds wonderful. It's again one of those things you're dealing with the age of the material. And... Oh, it was it was in rotten shape. Wow, it just, it just didn't. It just the material just didn't didn't hold up. You can't predict how this is going to happen. Sometimes it's you know time tunnel isn't that much after a few years after Diary of Anne Frank. Time tunnel's in great shape, had it all except for one cue, and then you got something like Towering Inferno, which is after time tunnel, and like a huge film was Oscar nominated and it's in terrible shape. You just you just cannot predict. Yeah. You hope it all holds up. Okay, so so you know, as far as your your as far as your slate of of twenty twenty one titles, uh, I think there were just there were two more: mm-hmm. uh, Dante's Peak and uh, Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, did, which you worked on. Two Universal titles. Uh, okay. Love Actually was a lot of fun. Got to work uh, with Craig Armstrong. Uh, with his people on that and he was very happy with the album um that was an interesting one only in that uh it had different releases throughout the world so the u.s release i think had one score cue on it mm-hmm. but the british release had three score cues on it hmm. so i had to figure all this out and say here this is this and and, and they, they had different titles and what they had on the cue sheet and just get it all sorted but that turned out well And then Dante's Peak was a huge one that I got to do for Verez. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was interesting because the soundtrack album was so different than what's in the film, uh, whether it was different performances or different edits. Okay. So again, that was a case of, I want, you know, if you're buying, you know, this release, it should all be on, you know, everything that had been available before and, what we have now should i'd like to have it all in one place so you can yeah you can listen and you can you can have it all in, in one spot and i have another title i just found out today that it's been delayed uh, another title from verez coming out it's not a very long score so we included you know, some album cuts afterwards so it can be resequenced. i can't say what it is but of course i'm still working and stuff <laughs> is still coming so yes and that's just you know just to sort of you know help wrap things up are, are you looking forward to your work in 2022? You know, yes. okay, all right. I'm looking forward to it coming in and I'm looking forward to getting, we have uh, at least one title from 2021 that didn't uh, get the approval in time that we're hoping to have out soon. And I, I'm very excited by it. 
and I, I hope people will enjoy it. Awesome. Well, I and again, can speak for you know the rest of the soundtrack fan community that we appreciate everything you do on all of your Thank albums. You. Um, everything. Everything? Ev most everything, okay, you know, okay. <laughs> 98.7%. Um, and I'm glad you had those titles. These were great titles for 2021. So I think it was another successful year. Well, thank and you. Yeah, there was, there, were, there was a lot of backlog in 2021. So there were some titles that should have been out a little bit sooner, but we got them all out that year. So. <laughs> well, uh, we look forward to everything that you're, uh, you know, producing for this year, all your work that's going to happen in 2022. So well, thank you so I, much. And thanks yeah. for having me on and be safe. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. You you and everyone. Everyone listening. Peace. <laughs> Not just me. Not just you. This wraps up my conversation with Neil S. Bulk, soundtrack album producer and editor. I would like to thank Neil for graciously participating and for sharing highlights of some of the wonderful albums that he produced during 2021. The albums we discussed in this episode can be found online at La La Land Records and Vera Saraband, respectively. These are soundtrack labels that offer many entertaining titles from which to choose. Of course, I would like to thank everyone for listening today. As always, I hope you found it both entertaining and informative. Music heard in today's episode included excerpts from The Next Karate Kid, composed by Bill Conti and William Ross, Star Trek II, Glory and Field of Dreams, composed by James Horner, Stripes, composed by Elmer Bernstein, Cabo Blanco, The Stripper, Spies, Tora Tora Tora, and Ace Eli and Roger of the Skies, all composed by Jerry Goldsmith, music from the 1960s TV series The Time Tunnel, with the main title and pilot score, composed by John Williams, The Diary of Anne Frank, composed by Alfred Newman. Love Actually, music by Craig Armstrong, and lastly, Dante's Peak, with a theme by James Newton Howard and score by John Frizzell. If you'd like to send any comments or questions, you can email the show at podcast at gmail.com, find the blog at escortasettle.blogspot.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash and on Twitter at score2settlepod. That score, the number two, settle pod. If you listen to the show by way of iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a review. It's always appreciated. And the podcast is available on Spotify as well. Stay safe out there, and thanks again for listening. 